And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Tops. Make sure you check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Excited for another week of Blue Jays baseball. Blue Jays are coming off a very strong weekend, uh, as you may have heard Caitlin McGrath and I talk about on Sunday. Caitlin, of course, is the co-host of SpinRate. She covers the Toronto Blue Jays for The Athletic. And now, getting into the week, Blue Jays are currently facing the Red Sox, coming off a dominant shutout via Hyunjin Ryu. Things here on uh, Wednesday night not going quite as well, but still lots of exciting things to talk about. Alec Manoa, when last I checked, was dominating a Triple A, as as opposed to Ross Stripling, who started in for the Blue Jays. Mm, maybe let's see mm, what what might happen. Nonetheless, I want you. If you want to read Caitlin McGrath, the co-host of of Spin Rate, and everything she has to write about the Toronto Blue Jays, maybe things she may may or may not write about Alec Manoa and roster moves to come, you got to sign up for the Athletic. And if you want to do that, you want to go to theathletic.com/spinrate. So that they know that you're listening to us. And if you do it now, there's a pretty tidy little deal on. You can sign up for The Athletic for just $1 a month. Can't recommend it highly enough. Especially coming down towards the uh, baseball Major League Baseball draft. Where you want to read Keith Law. You want to read all of the prospect talks about the guys at the top of the draft. The kids who are going to go first overall. The kids who might fall to the Blue Jays there in the middle of the first round. But on this edition of Spin, right, I wanted to bring in someone with a bit of a different perspective. So we are going to talk with Alexis Brudnicki of Baseball America, who's been covering the Canadian game like no one else for any number of years. And that's what she's doing this year, covering a lot of well, all, all the players, but of course, with a special focus on Canadians. And not only that, but... Alexis Brudnicki, if you know her, if you've been following her work, if you love to read about Canadian baseball players, about the women's game, the, the, the men's game, if you want to read about the, the national team, the junior national team, the, the everything that she's ever done in the game, uh, you've only got a limited time because Alexis is leaving the baseball industry, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to her because she had a lot of really interesting and really uh, important things to, dis- to discuss. So we did that. And I think it's a really good, a little bit different, but a really great show um, and a really great talk with Alexis, who's a person that uh, I personally admire quite a bit. So why don't I stop talking and then we can go and talk to Alexis Brodnicki on this edition of Spin Rate. All right. As mentioned off the top, it is my pleasure, my sincere pleasure to be joined by the most interesting person in baseball, the Former, I got it. The, the resume is so long and I, I get lost. Uh, Scout School graduate, uh, MLB.com, Blue Jays beat reporter, content producer, uh, Blue Jays game ops staffer, uh, Baseball America. Uh, what, what, what would your title of Baseball America? 
Right now, I'm contributing writer. Contributing writer, but this is like your second or third stint at Baseball America? Yes. I was an intern, and then I just freelanced for a while all over the map there, too. She has covered the Canadian women's national team. She has covered the men's national team. She has covered the Canadian game more than anyone in the world. She has covered the game from Australia to to Missouri, huh? to London, Ontario. <laughs> she runs marathons for fun at the drop of a hat. I am so excited to talk today to Alexis Birdnicki. Alexis, hello. Hello. That was the best introduction I have ever had, and I am so excited to talk to you. Uh, there is a lot of things to talk about uh, uh, around what you're doing now because it's getting close to draft time. A lot of folks are getting excited. People love to get excited about the draft. And I think that what we're going to talk about after is is equally, if not more, well, it's more important and also very compelling. But this is the thing that keeps you here. The reason that you and I are talking today on a podcast instead of just like sending me commenting on you're like, oh, I ran a half marathon because I was driving past and saw it was about to start posts on like Instagram and stuff. So you love the amateur game. You love Canadian baseball. And that's why you're here. So what is it you're doing right now as a contributing writer at Baseball America? Yes, I love the game. I love this side of the game. I get to write about all amateur baseball right now. Um, I get to work with Carlos Colazo, who is amazing. Um, he is our number one draft man at Baseball America, and I get to work with him. I get to work with a group of other people, but my priority is the draft. Um, as a group, we all come together. We we have our areas that we cover for the rankings and for scouting reports, and we speak to scouts in our areas, um, and Carlos ultimately finishes those lists and does the heavy lifting on those. And that is perfect because rankings are not my forte, but for me, I do love feature writing and it's perfect because that's not Carlos's forte. So we are a perfect match and I get to talk to all of these players who are on our draft lists and really learn from them, um, really understand their game. And for me, it's been a special privilege just to be able to talk to them and have them break down their tools for me. We can get all the scouting reports from all the scouts in the world that we want, but I really enjoy hearing from the horse's mouth what somebody thinks they're good at, what they are doing to be better at the things that maybe are at the bottom of that list and how it works for them, what they see in themselves, and then also how that correlates to what other people see in them. And I am loving doing that. Um, I'm enjoying being with Baseball America. I love the people that I get to work with there. Um, it was my first baseball internship opportunity I, I got in 2010, um, was with Baseball America. So I'm really happy to be back, even though it's just a short-term opportunity. But I'm just really grateful that they gave it to me. And I love getting to talk to people who are really good at what they do about what they do. So this is something that this kind of self-scouting report was something that you started when you were on the on the Blue Jays beat to some uh, often uh, very uh, revelatory uh, uh, insights, but also some sometimes very funny stuff. How have you found uh, the difference between maybe the way that the pros can uh, see themselves versus these these younger prospects, these these young guys who are still learning who they are in the world, on to as well as kind of widening their baseball horizons and seeing just how many good players there are out there? I think 
you're always going to get, whether it's on the pro side or on the amateur side, there's always going to be a group of players that are very self-aware and a group of players that are not so self-aware, but also in talking to scouts about how some of these players have graded themselves out or how they've seen themselves, there is definitely a mixed camp of which is more beneficial. And so I think that kind of extrapolates across the board, but for players who are super self-aware, you know, they know what their game is. They know how to succeed and they know not to get away with that. If I'm just like a guy who slaps balls into the outfield and I can run really fast and I can take the extra bases and I can speed around the outfield, I'm not trying to go yard every at bat. But then there's the other camp where scouts love seeing guys who overestimate and overvalue their tools because those are the guys who they just think, you know, might be the the, the lack of self-awareness might actually help them succeed because they're not going to get hurt by it when things don't go well. They think they're great no matter what. So <laughs> the Lenny Dykstra, both of those things, <laughs> the, that amazing <laughs> yeah. Lenny Dykstra I'm, quote where he's like, who's that old fart on the mound? They're like, Lenny, that's Steve Carlton. He's like, I'll stick him like that. You need, sometimes you need that guy, right? You need a bit of that. There's no mountain high enough that that'll stand in my way kind of guy sometimes. No doubt. And it's, it is funny because there are guys that I found in the big leagues who are like that and guys in amateur ball who are like that. But um, I definitely did kind of move away from when I was talking to the guy, the Blue Jays guys, the big league guys, and some of the top prospects in the Blue Jays system. We did, we did an actual, we filled out a scouting report that I got from the scouting bureau when I was in scout school and they graded themselves. So for some of the younger kids, I've gotten a little further away from the grades because they don't have the same sense of understanding mm. of how those grades work. So it is very hard to grade themselves accurately. So instead of now going through everybody with all the grades, and I try my best to explain to them, like a 50 is a very good grade. Average is excellent. That's an everyday player is a 50 is an average. That's what it is. But they don't really see that the same way that I try to explain it. So we've kind of gotten away from that. And we're just breaking down tools. Instead of giving a grade on the power, I'll have someone explain to me, you know, when they first found that they had power, how they tap into it. Is it bat speed? Is it grip strength? Is it what are they working on? What's their approach at the plate? And how does it work? So I have definitely evolved kind of from the way that I approached it with the pro players to the amateur players. I don't know, bro. I, I'm pretty fast. That's got to be an 80. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. Have you seen how fast I can run? I, 80 for sure. <laughs> the best conversations I had were every time a guy would tell me something was an 80, I would say, so you're telling me that you are literally the best to ever do that in the game, or you're going to be, if that's your future grade, you're telling me you're going to be the best defender who ever defended in the game of baseball. And the guys would be like, yep. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, all right, sure. Yeah. All right. 80 it is. Mark it down. Let's go. <laughs> that's so good. So obviously someone who like yourself, who loves to write features and who loves to uh, develop relationships and, and, and build on those relationships. That's so much about being a writer, especially with these, uh, with with prospects, with amateur players, how have you found navigating through COVID nineteen and lockdowns? Again, you're st you're in Ontario, so you know you are chained to your home in some ways. How have you personally kind of navigated doing your job and and do, do getting the most that you can get out of it with all this other stuff going on around you? Yeah, I don't love it um, <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. I don't think anybody kind of loves the situation that we're in, but. 
Um, when I, when the pandemic started, I was still working with MLB.com and I quickly had to come up with kind of creative ways that we could keep storylines and series going. And so I very quickly landed on a series on scouts. So I wrote a whole series on scouts, uh, throughout all of last summer, um, which was amazing. These scouts had amazing stories. It was really fun for me to get to do and, Scouts love to tell stories and they love to share them. And they also, they were not allowed to get out and do anything. So they had time and I'm grateful that they gave that time to me, but that was kind of a pivot. I did have, I did have a bunch of those scouts, uh, scouting report series stories kind of that I could weave through. So we ran one of those every week and we ran a scout series story every week. So, um, that was fun, but it was definitely something that you just had to figure out what is something we can consistently do no matter if the season comes back really quickly or if the season does not come back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things worked really well for me. And then now with Baseball America, I do find it um, challenging, especially because everyone I'm talking to for the most part is in the States um, and they are able to do different things and they are able to talk to people in person in a lot of situations. Um, and so I am trying to get their time over the phone or over zoom and I'm having to talk to their advisors or their college SIDs or kind of work through those challenges, which I think, you know, I would probably have to do in a regular situation if I wasn't at their ballpark anyway, but, um, I do find it challenging because I do find that interview opportunities can be more limited these days when, when we're in the situation we're in, it's particularly with college players. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like if you're trying to talk to the guys at Vanderbilt um, at the top of the draft list, like Kamar Rocker or Jack Leiter, uh, it's a little harder to wrangle them than it would be then if you were at a game at Vanderbilt and you were able to talk to them there. So it's a bit more challenging. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So challenges aside, especially in the United States, people are playing baseball and the draft is coming up, even though it's a little bit shortened. I don't think it's, it, what is it? It's 10 rounds this year, correct? 20 rounds. 20 rounds, but which is still down yeah. from what it used to be, but more than, I guess last year was 10 or, or five. I don't Last year was five, five. And then typically the years before that were 40, which was down from 50 several years before that mm-hmm. too. So it's been cut a lot, but now 20 is far fewer than it has been besides last year in the years past. So what are some names, Canadian names, 
uh, you know, or names that you're hearing a lot and, and, and guys you're writing about that a Blue Jays fan or otherwise, Canadian baseball fan or just fan of the game, what are some of the names that they, that they might start to hear in the next couple of weeks as, and, and as we move towards the draft? Yes, of course. I will shout out the Canadian guys first and foremost. These guys are who I am here to to promote in my life. The guys at Baseball America, you know, may regret have like giving me the leeway to talk to any of the guys on our draft list because I went straight for the Canadians. Whether they were number one on the top 400 or number 394, I was like, let's go with the Canadians. So um, Jordan Marks is one who I recently wrote about. Um, he is a pitcher at USC Upstate. And he played for the Great Lake Canadians, and I worked for the Great Lake Canadians, so I am definitely biased. I forgot. I'm not hiding it. I knew. I told you I was going to forget something on your resume, and I when you were talking the first time, I was like, "Was it the Great Lake Canadians? Was it Great Lakes or was it the London team?" Anyway, you worked for the Great Lake Canadians, and you were exposed to Jordan Marks, and I interrupted you. So apologies. No, you're good. I so I'm completely biased on all these Canadian players. Let me just get that out there first and foremost, but. Um, Jordan has always been a competitor. Right? When he was uh, with Great Lake, he won the inaugural commitment award. He just kind of embodies everything um, from a work ethic and leadership standpoint that you want to see in a player. But he is at USC Upstate, and this year he is dominating the competition. His fastball has been up to 98. Uh, he has a slider and a changeup to go with it. His command, though, is his bread and butter. He has walked almost fewer uh, players than he has starts, um, which is very like Roy Holiday-esque type numbers. Um, it's close. He might, he was, he might've, he walked a couple people in his last start. So I might be off. He might have like 14 walks and 12 starts right now. Um, but he's doing pretty unbelievably and he's striking out more than a guy in inning. Um, he's uh, last I checked, he had thrown like 82 innings and I think he was up to 87 strikeouts. So he, the strikeouts to the walks, I think it's like 87 to 14. So he's doing pretty well. The command mm -hmm. is there. He's a really exciting guy. And when we expanded the list from 300 to 400, he hadn't been on the 300. And now he's up in our like mid 100 range. And he is going to keep moving if his team can keep moving forward or he'll play maybe in one of the draft leagues or whatever. So um, Jordan Marks is a big one. He is from Wrights Grove, Ontario. Shout, Shout out to <laughs> Shout out to Mike Weir. I don't know if you could call it the suburb of Sarnia or what that would be called, but <laughs> that is Wrights Grove uh, is where Mike Weir, the Canadian golfer, is from. That's my as soon as you say Wrights right. Grove, I'm like Mike Weir, Canadian. Fun fact: won the Masters <laughs> left-handed. Shout out! Shout out, Mike Weir. Shout out, Wrights Grove. So he's so that's that's interesting because because uh, you know. It's like the cold weather players times a hundred when we're talking about guys from Ontario. Obviously, I, I think the guys from BC and obviously Quebec is a bit of a, a bit of an amateur player factory. So, anytime they're from Ontario, anything west of, well, west of Kitchener, and like that's right in your right in your kitchen, right in your bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, we there's a ton of guys. I mean, obviously. Eric Sarantola, he's at Mississippi State. He came in hot to the season. People were very excited to see him. Um, his fastball has been in triple digits. He's also a Great Lake Canadians alum. <laughs> um, definitely going to have to send this podcast to my former bosses. But uh, he's had a tough time getting innings. He uh, lost a bit of control of the strike zone earlier this season. And obviously, Mississippi State, Mississippi State is a competitive team. And so they need to get guys out there that they can rely on consistently. So Eric Sarantola has dropped a little bit, but he is a 6'6 right-hander throwing 100 every once in a while. So somebody's going to take a chance on him. Uh, Tyler Black, 
He is at Wright State in Ohio. And he's a guy who kind of popped up this year. I think Carlos originally had him as a sleeper on the list coming into the season. Um, Tyler has been, he's kind of a tweener position wise. He's been playing second and third. He also underwent shoulder surgery just last year. So um, the arm is getting there. Um, But right now he's been, I think, majority playing second base. But I mean, the bat is there. He is walking more than he's striking out. He's getting on base. He's productive. He's doing everything a team needs him to do. So Tyler Black is also a riser. Um, Cal Ziegler is a high school player, also a Great Lake Canadian player. <laughs> shameless. Um, <laughs> absolutely shameless. <laughs> Tyler Black was a Toronto Mets player, and I totally omitted that. I'll bring that back now. He's a Toronto Mets player. But uh, Cal Ziegler, so a lot of the high school players have had a problem, though, because they can't play here. So they're mm-hmm. going to play in the States. Cal Ziegler's playing in Florida right now. There's another couple guys, Mitchell Bratt and Elijah Hamill. Um, they are also high school players from uh, Ontario, and they are playing in Georgia. So there are kind of the high school guys are kind of all over, and then they're going to play in the draft league, um, the the MLB's player development draft league. So they are getting their time in in the states, which is tough. Um, for it's a tough break for them, really. Like there's just no way for them to play this year. Uh, here and I don't know what their opportunities are going to be um, now that you know parks are even open here obviously they weren't open until May anyway but there's mm-hmm. no junior national team that's where these guys would typically get seen by a ton of scouts uh, they would get a lot of attention and there's no junior national team right now it's just not a thing so um, Cal Ziegler uh, Mitchell Bratt uh, Cal's a right-hander who's throwing uh, upper 90s Mitchell Bratt is a lefty throwing getting up to the mid 90s uh, Elijah Hamill's an infielder. They're all, I think, doing their thing. They all have a chance for sure. Um, I would say Cal is going to be maybe the top high school out of Canada to go. There is another guy in BC right now, Micah Bucknam. Um, he is a high school pitcher as well, and he's been in BC. He did get down to Arizona to throw in front of a bunch of scouts earlier this year, but the issue, he had some COVID issues in being able to throw to hitters. So he was mm. just throwing bullpens. So he is uh, up to mid 90s, super impressive. He's a young kid. He has a late birthday. Um, There's a lot to like, but until he can face hitters, I don't know if scouts are going to take a chance on that. So he should get a chance to do that in the draft league. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. There's so many Canadians. One of my Carlos's personal cheese ball and my favorite is Damiano Palmagiani. (laughs) First of all, it's a good name. It's a great name. That's an all world name. (laughs) There are not nearly enough good like Italian baseball players. We need we need more. (laughs) He's actually Venezuelan. Oh, well, he's got he's like he's got Marco Scudero. He's got like the he's got he pass he passes. He's, he's Italian passing, but I, I'm a sucker for a good like old hard nosed Italian named baseball player. I love it. His middle name is Antonio too, so it's Damiano Antonio Palmagiani. So he is he's Italian. I, I listen. I, he's from Venezuela. He could be the most Venezuelan guy around. No, he's Italian. So I, I don't I, I don't make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You, it, it's true. They are what they are. So he's at the College of Southern Nevada, and mm-hmm. he is he's he's our number three ninety four on our top four hundred, and uh, he's going to get drafted. And he is one of my favorite guys. He also he walks more than he strikes out. He's leading. He's among the leaders of the nation in home runs. Um, he also has, he's among the leaders of the nation in hit by pitches as well, which is super random. He said he's coming home with bruises every weekend and he's like, Oh, like, where did that come from? 
And, but I mean, the law, like the question is, where is his position? And so he and I went in depth. There is a story at Baseball America. We went in depth on the criticism of him not having a position. He thinks he can play third base. He thinks that's where he belongs. The issue for him is that he's been such a utility player that he's been playing all over. So Scouts have not had a significant chance until this year to see him play one position and stick at one position. When he was on the junior national team, Greg Hamilton did take that approach and put him at third base, but he also played outfield, corner outfield. Um, and power is his biggest tool, but he has also shown, I mean, he's at College of Southern Nevada, so he's not at a big D1 school, but he has shown in his ability to get on base and his ability to stay in the zone and his ability to walk more than he can strike out or then he does strike out, I think he's shown that he can be a complete hitter and that he deserves a chance to do that. So um, he's another super exciting Canadian. I'm definitely like definitely cutting out Canadians here. But I every time there's a Canadian on the list, I write a story about them. You can rest assured of that. There is a story at Baseball America about all of them. And I even have stories ready for when the list expands and the next Canadians are on the list. So there's other guys. Denzel Clark might make our next list. Um he is a local guy here too, but he's at um, Cal State Northridge. Tristan mm. Peters is a guy who make the list. He's at who could make the list. He's at UNC Charlotte. Um, uh, David, no, I was going to say yeah, well, a couple, couple of things. Uh, College of Southern Nevada. That's where Bryce Harper went. As I as yes. I, I could, I was like I checked. I looked it up like I do. So <laughs> let me let me ask you uh, one thing though about. So these high school guys in particular that are like looking at close to two lost years. So these are these are draft eligible players, players that have a lot of a lot of helium that are doing what they can to to get an opportunity. Do you think? And, and maybe I'm asking you to kind of go outside of 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 um of of your not comfort level, but like, are these guys best best served? Do you think going to play? Uh, you know, turning pro if even if they're kind of you know further down, maybe. The, the bonus money won't be quite at quite at what it could be, or might some of these guys opt to to go and try to get a a fuller a full ride or, or the opportunity to kind of rebuild and spend more time you know improving and and just more reps by going to college? Where, where do you think is it kind of depend on the player, or do you think that there's there this is something that some of these guys are going to have to consider? So this year is kind of a wild card, and I will just correct myself too. I said Tristan Peters was at. UNC Charlotte. He's not. He's at Southern Illinois. Uh, David McCabe is at UNC Charlotte. So those are two names for the next list. But um, this year's a wild card because this is the first time that um, Major League Baseball teams and their minor league affiliates are capped at a number of players that you can have in your minor league system. So every organization has a cap of 180 players and several of those organizations are at or near their limit. So if they are going to draft a player, they are going to have to cut a player in order to bring them in. So if you're a young player, a young high school guy, and you get drafted in the high rounds and you get the money you want, then that's a no brain decision. No brainer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're drafted in the later rounds, you might think, well, this is a year where I'm going to get a real opportunity because they think I'm better than someone who's already in their system. That's them giving me a chance and they're giving me a significant chance. So even if it is the 20th round, maybe this is an opportunity for me anyway, because this means I'm better than someone else in that system and I deserve this spot and they are not going to want to, I don't know. They're, that's an investment for them. That's a significant investment. They don't want to waste that. 
But I mean, all these kids, the, the kids that I mentioned, they do have significant scholarship offers. They do have opportunities to go to college. Um, I do think going to the States now to play, which has really been their only option, but it is indicative of a desire to play professional baseball. Um, it is also indicative of just wanting to stay on the field and stay in baseball shape, uh, whether it is for that college commitment or for that professional opportunity. But the idea surrounding all of these events is that scouts will see them and scouts will give them an opportunity. So if this is something that they want to pursue, I do think this is an interesting year to do it, especially whether it's a high draft pick or a low draft pick, because it is still a significant investment from teams. Although obviously teams are also going to have shorter ropes for guys because mm-hmm. they just can't keep guys in their system that they don't need anymore. And and I think that was the other thing I was going to mention when you were speaking about the the, the player whose name, um, I forget the, the Mississippi State guy. Uh, Eric Sarantola. Eric Sarantola, who who is from your description might've been like the Friday night guy, but it sort of slid down the death chart a little bit. And, and it's sort of that kind of give and take when you want to take these opportunities to go to play in the U S and play at these major college or, or any college program is they're trying to win a lot of the time. So they're not getting that same, you know, to the, um, to the other, the other, uh, our, our Italian Venezuelan friend, they're not getting these same opportunities <laughs> to be like, I want to play third base. And then Greg Hamilton can say, okay, you know, we're, that's the best thing for the program and the best thing for you. So we're going to give you those reps. But at school, they're like, we're trying to win. We need to win games and, and do what we need to do to justify our program's existence. So, so that, it, that's tough. And it's something that, that's easy to overlook again, because especially when you, when you, if you're like me and you're more focused on the pro game and the minor leagues have become, you know, I've spoken about a few different, with a few different guests about them just becoming almost like a living lab where it's just like, we're just, we're trying to develop players and put guys in the best position and, and wins and losses. It's not that they don't matter, but, but everything else sort of comes first. But in, in, in a major college program, uh, uh, it's not quite that same priority. You're, you, uh, whoever you are, unless you're Bryce Harper at College of Southern Nevada 10 years ago, you're not, you're not the priority. The, the program comes first. And that, I think that might be, you know, that's a, it's, it's tough. It's tough to, uh, to find that balance. I think when you're, when you're weighing these decisions as a young player, as a young person who's setting the course for the next few years of their life, especially. It's super tough. And I think Bryce Harper was an anomaly because he was using that to try and uh, be drafted earlier. He graduated high oh, school for sure, early for sure, yeah. so that he could be drafted earlier. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, even if you just look at the divergent pathways of guy of, of two guys like Jordan Marks and Eric Sarantola, Jordan Marks was underestimated. He didn't get the same opportunities that maybe Eric Sarantola did. Uh, Jordan Marks ends up at a smaller school in USC upstate. And Eric Sarantola, very successful, a lot of eyes on him. He did get the opportunity. He did get the opportunity to go to Mississippi State. And now Jordan Marks, I, I would I don't know for sure the number of innings that he has compared to the number of innings that Eric Sarantola has, but the opportunities have been, I would say, at both ends of the spectrum. And USC Upstate is a team that is is actually in a winning position this year. But when Jordan Marks arrived at USC Upstate, they hadn't won since 2012. And Mississippi State, obviously, not in that same kind of position. So Jordan Marks worked his way into the opportunity. And then he and the rest of his pitching staff and the position players that they had helped that team become a winning team. And now they have a chance at an NCAA berth. And Mississippi State has always had those chances. So if you have a guy who is not performing on Friday night, he moves to Sunday afternoon. If you have a guy, then he's not performing on Sunday afternoon, then maybe he moves to the midweek. And if he's not performing in the midweek, that's where Eric Sertola has gotten to. So it is problematic for opportunities. Um, and 
it is what the teams need and it, it's how they operate, but it is two guys, two very different opportunities, mm-hmm. two very different ways of embracing, capitalizing on those opportunities. And ultimately we'll see what happens in the draft with them and how those pathways continue to meet or diverge further. So Mississippi State is an SEC school, which if you're a Blue Jays fan who who has been hearing a lot of talk about Alec Manola, of course, who was also, I don't remember exactly where he went to school, but he was an SEC. West Virginia. Guy. He was at West Virginia, which and SEC is like the probably the best in terms of caliber of play in the in the country. So, you know, there are advantages and, and, and diff- disadvantages and challenges associated with any of those decisions, which is you know, I'm glad I don't have to make them. And I, you know, I'm blessed that my I did not have those choices when I was a a high school baseball player. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they I was not getting those recruitment letters at my door. Now, I didn't even know what the what the conferences were. <laughs> More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We talked about this at the beginning, and you mentioned off the top that you're doing this work with Baseball America and, and writing these these young players up and doing this thing that you love so much. But you mentioned it's a short-term thing, and that's because, and you you announced this on, on Twitter not too long ago, and then you know one of the big reasons that you and I wanted to talk, or I wanted to talk to you, to hear what you had to say, because you're leaving baseball. You know, you're leaving baseball, uh, uh, an industry, a game, uh, uh, a thing that is bigger than than each of those kind of words. Uh for well, maybe not forever, but to to pursue a completely different path. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of motivations behind this, but I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about one of the things that that you know the thing that you put when you were talking about on Twitter, and it's kind of uh, the idea that that the the game doesn't love you back, and the game doesn't love a lot of people back the way that they love it, and and I think it's really important to hear what you have to say about why you've decided to a just change gears and, and move in this different direction in your life. Yeah. I mean, I love the game. I, if that's not evident in me taking over this entire podcast to talk about just the Canadian players in the draft and not even talk about the guys like in the top 10, um, then I don't know what is evident. But uh, I, I love baseball. I love the baseball, the game. I don't love baseball, the industry, and I don't love everything that surrounds it. And I think throughout this pandemic, I kind of I saw some things more clearly. I was free of distractions. Um, I think for a while, and I started to understood, understand that, um, you know, this wasn't ultimately going to be for me and that maybe my morals and my ethical compass were not pointing in the same direction as certain things that I was seeing. Um, particularly last year, I thought, uh, you know, Major League Baseball had a poor response to uh, George Floyd's death. I thought it took too long to put out a statement. And then when it did put out a statement, it, um, could have been better to say the least. Um, I thought seeing the public labor negotiations was quite ugly and unnecessary last year. And that was just because of the pandemic without, we're not even into the labor negotiations that are coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I can't imagine what we have in store for us. The response to the pandemic, I found also a little bit poor, obviously, um, 
you know, we saw a lot of, a lot of positives we, cases. We saw, and I, I say positives in the very negative sense. Um, we saw a lot of positive cases. We saw, you know, the, the end of the world series with uh, a COVID positive on the field and um, the way that people lost their jobs, the way that the minor leagues were cut in kind of uh, to take advantage of that situation. I know that maybe the minor leagues were too big and I know that they did want to make changes, but to take, that situation and to make all those whole wholesale changes at that time to me, um, I just didn't love, I didn't love to see it. And, um, obviously this year there have been a lot of, um, stories in the mainstream media of how women have struggled, how female reporters have struggled in the game and what, uh, they have experienced. And, um, you know, the game, it is not what I want it to be. It is not what I think it can be. And for a long time, I think I was really afraid of admitting to myself that this wasn't where I should be, or this isn't what maybe I should be doing because I saw it as a failure. I saw me leaving the game and me admitting that this was not the right path. I saw that as me admitting that I failed in it and that I wasn't successful in it. It took me nine years in the industry to get a full-time job. This is not an easy industry. It's not easy for women. It's not easy for anyone who isn't a straight white man. Um, and I had a lot of personal difficulty and personal challenges. Um, and they kind of all came to a head last summer. And I thought, you know, maybe this is, maybe I, I can do more. Maybe I can help people. Maybe I can make change. And I thought that law school was maybe something uh, an outlet for me to do that. So I took my LSAT and I started applying and um, somehow got into a bunch of schools and decided that I would pursue law at uh, University of Missouri at Mizzou in Columbia, Missouri. And I will start in August. I'm also still doing my doctorate. Um, and what? I switched my doctoral focus in January because of kind of things that were happening in the media and my personal experiences. So now my doctoral focus is centered around the lack of sufficient structures in place to combat the power imbalance in baseball existing for women and particularly how it affects the reporting of sexual harassment. Um, so I do think there are bigger and better things. I do hope that baseball can still be a better place and I would love to contribute to that in some way, shape or form. Um, but it's just not something that I can be on the inside of, at least for now, at least for a while. That's really, um, you know, that's baseball's number one. That's baseball's loss. That's Canada, Canadian baseball's loss. But it's, it's, it all, you know, rings true. These things are all connected when you describe them and you lay them out like that. That the reaction to to George Floyd's murder, the 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 kind of reluctant and sluggish but then full-throated embrace of black lives matter and 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 socially sensitive subjects socially sensitive which is they're not socially sensitive but in in a, in this sense they are it's often so often just a marriage of convenience and and again with the with the way that that women are treat, treated you know uh, and i know that the mickey calloway situation is is a, is a pr terrific example where everyone's like well yeah it was kind of like a uh uh Poor, like the best known secret around everybody was like yeah that's how he is and it's only you know at a point where it becomes politically inconvenient to have a liability quote unquote like that around that there's action and then even that action is what's happened there's there not there has still not been an, an official 
decision. There's still so much stuff. And, and, and I can say that, that my experience is, is not what's important here. But since I started doing this podcast with Caitlin, I've seen things that I never would have seen before in terms of the way that people, uh, even just on social media, engage with the things that she shares and the things that she writes. And it doesn't mean that it didn't happen before, but it's, 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 again, it's sad that I'm 40 years old and I've been doing this however long. And I'm, and I'm like, wow, that's weird. But it's, it's life for far too many people in this, in this industry. So I applaud you in a way for sticking around this long, quite frankly. But, you know, as you can, as you've demonstrated, you are such a baseball rat that uh, that that I think is, is is such a powerful thing to have to have done to to acknowledge that within yourself that like this isn't where I need to be despite every I'm sure every fiber of your being that just wants to stay in the game because it's clear to anyone listening to this and anyone who's ever met you how much it means to you so I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this with us but also I just wish that the game and those of us in it for whatever role I play in it. You know, I wish I could have done more and we all should have do more to open more doors instead of slamming them in the faces of people who all they want is to be part of the of the game and, and the conversation around it. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it is such a tough industry. And I think that people people paint it with a really broad brush brush because it is overall generally tough. So people are like, well, if it was tough for you, that's just because it's just a tough industry. And it's, I don't see the same people acknowledging that, you know, Kim Ng didn't get her job for 30 years. And she was the most overqualified person to be hired as a general manager. And that's where the bar is set. And you know, I didn't have a full-time job for nine years in the industry. And for me also, I mean, there are definitely issues in the game and that is the primary reason for me leaving, but it is, it is something that has not been a livable source for me. I, it has not been a livable source of income. I have been piecing jobs together. I have been working multiple jobs. I've been doing a lot of things. And then because I still hadn't had those opportunities, I was pursuing higher education. So I was adding to my debt while not being able to pay it off. And I think there are a lot of issues that way too. So, um, I just, it's, it is such a, such a difficult industry, but I don't think, um, and I think it should be, it should be different for everyone. Um, the opportunities should be different. The considerations should be different. Um, and, and I mean, to your point too, like there, there are certainly things about the baseball culture that we have all perpetuated. I have perpetuated this culture as well. Um, you know, I take responsibility for that and I want to believe people are redeemable because I want to be redeemable. I want to <laughs> know that I can, you know, that I can make up for what, what I helped or what I let slide by in the past or what, I did, I laughed off or, you know, what was inappropriate that I just kind of walked away from as opposed to doing something about it. And I've really come to believe that if you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. And so that's where I'm at now. And it took me time to get there. Um, and it took me a lot of, of thinking and realizations, but now I'm, I'm at the point where if you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. And I'm not going to be a part of the problem anymore. I'm going to work toward helping this be better and um, also removing myself from a situation that is not helping me or my life or my mental health. 
It, I think that there's the concept, and I, I saw someone introduce this in a different context, but I think it applies here, which is you see even from from some of the some uh, women who are in the game who have been through stuff that no one should ever have had to go through. But there's me, even a little bit of like what we would call kind of closing the door behind you, being like, "Well, it's I did it, so it's fine." And and it's and again, that doesn't mean that the the things that they experienced they deserved or that anyone should have to go to. But I, I think that's it. That that there's we sometimes it takes. Um, un, an unsubtle, an unsubtle maneuver, or a, a, you know, saying the quiet part out loud, and 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 like you said, removing yourself and looking at opportunities that come to you. Someone who is well, not many people are as talented and driven as you are to get to to be like, well, I'm going to go to law school because you know you've earned that, and then you can hopefully um, make changes externally and 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 set the next group of 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 people who love the game and want to be part of it up um not necessarily from within but also from from externally and i think that's really admirable so this went from a, a love into uh from canadian baseball players to uh to uh <laughs> applauding alexis Bernicki, but i i don't think that's a bad thing at all for me <laughs> well i appreciate it and i do hope i can i can work toward making positive change i mean that's the goal i haven't done it yet um it is on the high, the priority list. It is definitely something that I want to do. Um, I do want the game to be better for people than it has been for me. I know there is a lot of those, uh, kind of those attitudes that, um, prevail that are, are like, well, if I had to go through it, then they should have to go through it too. You know, that's what made me who I am. That'll make them better. And I don't prescribe to that at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not into that. If things are terrible for me, which they have been in some ways, um, I don't think anyone else should have to go through any of the terrible things. I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think that those are, I don't think people should have to take awful things and consider them learning experiences or things that made them better. Maybe, maybe that's how other people perceive them, but I don't think that's necessary at all. And I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of just making this a better place, a safer environment, a more inclusive space, and just allowing people to be their best selves. Like, I just think, what could I have done if I ever felt comfortable in a job or if I wasn't simultaneously doing my master's degree and working two jobs or doing my doctorate and working full time? What could I have accomplished in that space if I had just had a comfortable landing spot where... I could use the best of my abilities to help my employer. I never truly had that opportunity. It's hard. And, and baseball as an industry, obviously we know about the, the, all the money involved and it's billions of dollars here and TV deals for this and merchandise and everything like that. But, but when it comes to kind of that, that front line and, and any, so many people who want to work in the game and, there still isn't. It still is that there still are those barriers to entry for so many folks, and 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 you know, if if for for women, for people of color, for women of color, for everyone, but you know, the, even and as you've mentioned, those financial burdens are significant as well, especially as we see front offices get more and more full of of these uh, kind of Ivy League types and tall foreheads and really smart folks who are doing such different work where sure the barriers to entry before in the old old days used to be like well who's who's your dad you know like what's what's the what was the name on your jersey when you retired and then you just kind of walk into the front office but just because things aren't as bad as they used to be doesn't mean they can't be better today and tomorrow and i think that uh if when people like you are willing to do the work and 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 
put their dig their heels in to make the world a better place, I think we're on a pretty good we're on a, a the right track, if nothing else, to achieving that because. Like you said, it'd be it, uh, it would be real easy to just be like, well, I'll just kind of muddle along, or I can do this and that. So, thank you, I think, for coming on. Thank you for coming on and saying these things that need to be said about this industry and about the game that we love. But just because we love the game doesn't mean that we have to give, give, and give, and give, and never get back, right? Yeah, I completely agree. I um, I and I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you me being my hype man too. This is pretty amazing. But if um, if, if the anyone at the <laughs> University of Missouri, if they if they if you're looking for to get a couple like bursary bucks, just send them send them over. I'll I'll, I'll pump your tires all day long. I definitely need it. I need it. Yeah, it's um. I definitely, I have high hopes. I have high ambitions. I, I have a lot of things in mind for the future. Hopefully I can make them all come to fruition and, and be this person you are hype manning up right now. And uh, I mean, that's the goal and I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to try. Um, and I, like I said, I just, I hope baseball becomes a better place for, for people than it has been for me. I'm excited to try. I think that says it all because because it's easy to to not be excited to try. It's easy to to give up and not want to, you know, push the boulder up the hill anymore. But you are excited to try, and that makes me excited too. So, Alexis, where can people read your baseball stuff for now? Yeah, right now it is at baseballamerica.com. Mostly draft coverage. I definitely will get into a little bit of the WBC qualify Olympic qualifier coverage with Team Canada there. Uh, talked to John Axford the other day, so I'm ready to get on that train. Um, but yeah, it's all at Baseball America, and uh, looking forward to the draft, looking forward to the number of Canadians who get drafted, hopefully every name that I mentioned, because I didn't mention any of the great American guys who are wonderful also, and I've written about them too. <laughs> we'll talk but, about uh, them another time. <laughs> what does Jack Leiter need us to talk about him? Everybody knows where he's going to get drafted. He doesn't need us. Correct. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So hopefully we hear all those names again, not out of my mouth, but from the commissioner or from those teams who are selecting them. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me and and hyping me up and getting me more excited for the future as well. I'm excited and I hope that uh, we hear some good news here in Ontario and you can get back out to be on a ball field at some point in the next few weeks. Her name is Alexis Brodnicki. My name is Drew Fairservice. This has been a very special and very hype-filled edition of Spin Rate. <laughs>